Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger. One path to a happier life is experiencing it with all of our senses. In this episode, Gretchen Rubin explains how tuning into sight, smell, touch, taste, and hearing can help us get out of our heads and into the world for a better quality of life. Gretchen Rubin is one of today's most influential and thought-provoking observers of happiness and human nature. She's the author of five New York Times bestselling books, including the blockbuster number one bestseller, The Happiness Project. Her latest book is Life in the Five Senses. On her top-ranking podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, she discusses good habits and happiness with her sister, Elizabeth the Craft. Gretchen Rubin, thank you so much for being here. What a delight to have you on. I just love your work. And just anyone who surrounds themselves and embarks on this exploration of happiness in their work. I mean, that says a lot about who you are. And, and I really appreciate the wonderful, you know, helpfulness that you've that you've had with people in terms of helping them lead more happy lives. Well, thank you. I'm very happy to be talking to you today. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, actually, so I was thinking about this. So your one real good thing is to tune into the five senses. And I, I'm so excited yeah. to explore this with you. You've been helping people on this path to happiness for a long while now through your best-selling books and your amazing podcast. And your latest book is Life in the Five Senses. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious what drew you to this focus in the first place and and how does living in the five senses and really tapping into the five senses, how does that help us be happier? Well, I got my kind of epiphany to pursue this aspect of a happy life, you know, in a very inconspicuous moment of my day, I had a bad case of pink eye. So I went to the eye doctor and as we were finishing up, he said to me very casually, as if he were saying, remember to wear your seatbelt or put on sunscreen. He said, well, remember to come back for your regular checkup, because as you know, you're at greater risk for losing your sight. And I was like, wait, what are you talking about? I don't know anything about that. He said, oh, yeah, you're very, very myopic. You're very nearsighted. And that means you're at greater risk for a detached retina. And if that happens, you can lose some of your sight. So we would want to know right away. Well, I have a friend who lost some of his sight to a detached retina. So that felt like a, you know, a very real possibility for me. So I walked back out on the street. I live in New York City. So I'm getting ready to walk home from the doctor's office and I'm looking around and I think, look, I feel like it's this precious cityscape all around me. And yet I didn't notice a single thing on my walk over. I was stuck in my head, lost in my own thoughts, not paying attention to a single thing. And as I was walking home, it was like every knob in my brain turned up to 11 and I could see every, every detail with like crystal clarity and I could hear every sound on a separate track and I could smell every smell. And New York city is quite smelly. I could smell every smell. And it was almost this like trippy psychedelic experience, but I realized like there's nothing, there's nothing special about this walk. It's just that I'm actually paying attention. And I realized, you know, this is what I need to focus on is all the beauty of the world around me that I am just not paying attention to. 
Um, and I need to tap into it. And I need, and because I'm always like, I make everything into a project. I have to do everything systematically. I have to run out to the library and get a bunch of books. Um, so that's what I did. And I decided to explore how tapping into the five senses can make us help happier, healthier, more productive, more creative, more in touch with the present, more in touch with the past, more engaged with other people. It turns out that the five senses are like the Swiss army knife, whatever, whatever you want to make your life happier. There is definitely a way to harness the five senses to help you. And some, some people don't have all five senses. So whatever your complement of the five senses is. Oh, that's so interesting. And it's interesting, you know, you don't know what you got until it's almost taken away from oh, you. Well, that's human right? nature, right? Often we don't appreciate something until we lose it or we're afraid we're going to lose it. So true. And the tagline of your book or the second you know, part of the title is getting out of your head and into the world. So that's mm-hmm. sort of, you just alluded to that as well. And that notion is really interesting. So what does that, let's like dig into that a little bit. What does that mean to you getting out of your head and into the world? I mean, for me, it's just really noticing what's happening in my five senses, because I'm the kind of person I can be like walking on the beach with a beautiful sunset and the the waves rolling over my feet. And I'm just rewriting a paragraph in my head and I just don't see or smell or hear anything. Um, so for me, it really takes you know sort of constant, a constant uh, reminder what am I seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching? For instance, one of the things that I do um, that really helps me with, well, also, you know, it's easy to feel changed and it's harder to stay changed. So one of my fears was, okay, what if I do this? Because I'm working on a book about it. I'm all tapped into my five senses. And then I go right back to where I was before. So one of the ways that I stay in touch with my five senses is I have a five senses journal. And I just did this myself kind of DIY. Now I, now I've actually created a journal that's like this beautiful five senses journal, but you don't really need anything special. And I just wrote down seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. And every day I'll write down one notable thing that happened. And it doesn't have to be my, the best or my favorite, but just something I noticed, like I was downtown and I heard church bells ring. Uh, striking the hour. And I thought, wow, you know, I have, I have never really thought about hearing the time chime that way. Or you walk by a movie theater and you get like a big waft of that movie, that movie popcorn smell Um, or texture. Like there, there, there's this new sunscreen that I use called super goop and it has this really weird texture. Like I really like it. I'm really intrigued by it, but I bet a lot of people really do not like it. It's a very, it's like a slippery texture, but every time I feel it, I'm like, woo, that's, that's strange. You know, so the first time I did that, I wrote that down, my new sunscreen. Um, and that is just kind of a, uh, a way to make sure that I don't like just get all up in my head again. So it's so interesting. It really, to me, sounds like a route to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. It's essentially a way of being in the present. Because like you're saying, you're walking on the beach yep. and you're not really being present there, perhaps, right. is your tendency and mine too. You know, um, I think we all have that, that monkey mind where our brain's just going a mile a minute and we forget to notice all the things around us. But it kind of, by paying attention to the five senses, even tapping into that awareness, mm-hmm. you're all of a sudden in the present moment, yes. you're like forced there, yes. you're sucked into it. Yes, yes, because the senses are something that you are experiencing right now. And like a smell, like a sense like smell, you can't even keep experiencing it. Like you can experience it right now, but you can't keep doing it over and over. You could listen to a song on the loop for eight hours, 
but the smell will fade out, you know, because of odor fatigue. So you have to enjoy it right. Enjoy those cherry, you know, those apple blossoms right now. Um, But if you keep sniffing and sniffing, they'll fade out of your awareness. And so it it really is a call to the present moment. Yeah, I think that and and that being in the present helps you find happiness. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm making that. So is that how you see the this um, this bridge from being aware of your five senses to really just taking you and putting you in the present moment in in a mindful way. Yes, but it's so much more than that. Okay, so the five senses is great for for bringing you into the present, but it's also a great way to recall the past. Like we have so many memories attached to our five senses. The smell of your grandparents' kitchen, the taste of what you had for dessert every Friday when you were in grade school. Um, the, the, your favorite sweater that you wore when you were five years old, you know, or your blankie that has just the right texture, all of these things, music, you know, people are so, there's a a fun, a fantastic site called the nostalgia machine where you can enter in a year and it will, it will show you the most popular songs. It's just so fun to pick different eras of your life and like listen to the songs that were, you know, the most popular at that time. So they take us to the present, but they also take us to the past. Also, a superpower of the senses is to help us engage with other people, which is probably the most important thing we can do for our happiness. And we love to engage with people through our five senses. So we'll eat together. We'll go to concerts together. We'll sing together. Um, You know, human touch is so important in in helping us connect with other people when it's, you know, appropriate touch. Um, It can boost creativity. Like a lot of times, like putting tools in our hands unleashes thoughts or like, you know, I will, I go to the Met every day and just walking and seeing all these beautiful things. I mean, I'm just daydreaming or thinking. I'm not trying to discipline my thoughts or like learn anything specific, but just seeing all these things, being physically present sort of unlocks all these creative ideas for me. But it also can help you just with drudge work and just sitting down and grinding it out. Um, okay, so here's a question for you, Ellie. If you're trying to do your most demanding intellectual work, do you want to be in silence Do you want to be listening to music with no words? Do you want to be listening to music with words? Do you want to be listening to the same song on a loop? Do you want to be in a busy hum like a coffee shop? Or do you want cacophony like a train station? I've heard from everybody, these, all these different sound environments. What works for you? And this is so clear for me on so Mm. many levels. And it, and it touches on something that I wanted to talk with you about. For me, it's silence. And I remember being in third grade and I was in a class which was just like chaotic. I mean, this teacher, kids loved this teacher, but it was for me total chaos and I I hated it and I couldn't think. And then I remember looking across the hall at this fourth grade class and all the students were sitting quietly at their desks and Uh I wanted to be in there so badly. you still remember. I I remember perfectly. (laughs) I don't understand. I could not work in a coffee shop. I can't work with, I can do things mindless. I like to put music on with words. If if I don't need all my focus, if I need to focus, it needs to be quiet. I almost can't even have anyone around me. Uh So absolutely. And actually one of the things about tapping into the senses that I, maybe you've um, talked about this in your book or in your work. I feel like a lot of my um, sensory inputs, that awareness has led to me almost managing overstimulation. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I find that I'm very acutely aware of the sounds that like awaken me, the sounds of birds, certain birds chirping, make me feel happy in the morning when I'm walking to work. Um, But certain sounds like the din of a lot of conversations happening in a cavernous space, 
I really, I know that like I'm on a timer practically, like I can't yeah. take it in there for very long. But that helps me, that awareness helps me manage my happiness because it helps me say like, okay, I'm not just an unhappy, miserable person in this party. I need to find a quiet spot. I need to go outside. Well, a thousand percent. And that's one of the big things that I took away from this book is we each live in kind of a debris of our own sensations and we will have very dramatically different responses to our surroundings. And so it's, you can't say to somebody like, well, this is no big deal. Or I don't know why you're making such a fuss because to them, it can be very different. And, and here's just a few examples. One thing is you cannot smell your home the way a guest smells it because you're just used to that smell. So you literally will not smell that air freshener, that cat litter box that, you know, you don't smell it the way guests smell it because you're just so accustomed to it. So they might be having a response to something, but you're not having that response. Or like you say, with the, with uh, the sound environment, I'm very sensitive to vi- you. You suffer from clatter and I suffer from clutter. It's very hard for me to work in kind of chaotic visual surroundings. And I remember visiting an office where they're like, oh, we just had a, like a, a competition to see who could decorate for Halloween the most. And I was like, well, this seems fun, but I could not work here because it's just too much going on. And so I think part of what's really helpful with the five senses to realize what we need to do is to create an environment where everyone can thrive and everyone can feel comfortable instead of saying like, well, this is the right way. Because truly, like, if you're like, well, everybody works better in silence. It's like, no, some people work better in all different kinds of sound environments. Um, I do think people are more sensitive this, to this than they used to be. For instance, like, I love perfume. Now I wear perfume to bed every night, but I don't wear perfume if I'm, if I'm like, going to a meeting in an office because a lot of people don't like to have that. And so I think there is a lot more kind of or consideration for understanding that like scratchy fabrics are very, very uncomfortable for some people or some people really don't want to be touched. And so like, just be aware of that, even just a casual, what we would consider like a casual social touch. Some people don't like that. So I do think we're we're more aware of that, but it's 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 just hard to keep it in mind because you just think like, well, it's just easier to concentrate. Somebody said to me, well, it's just easier to concentrate when there's like classical music playing. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, that's just that's just not the case. Yeah. No, that would drive me nuts. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think it's really interesting. So when you honor your own reality of how your five senses are working for you, then you can also extend that honoring to other people's. And I think that improves your happiness as well, because if everyone did that socially, things would work a lot smoother. I think just saying like my way is not the only way, but there are other, there are other ways of doing things. I mean, my, my, it would kind of always upset me that my daughter would have her TV on or whatever when she was doing her work in high school. Yeah. But I was, but she does better with like some noise and action in the background. It helps her focus. And she's always done great in school. Yes. And so honoring that there are different ways, I think, is part of what can ultimately make you a happier person. Although I have to say that the idea that other people don't smell my home the way I do makes me a little paranoid. <laughs> oh, it definitely makes me paranoid. Yes. Yeah. You got to have like a close friend come over and give it a big sniff. Yeah. Um, but here's another interesting way to know yourself and to understand how maybe your responses are different from other people's or theirs are different from yours. So this super fun quiz called What's Your Neglected Sense quiz. And it's free and anybody can take it at GretchenRubin.com slash quiz. And so so what I found in, in doing the work for the book is that most of us have appreciated senses. And these are senses that 
we really love, we're interested in learning about them. We use them to engage with other people. We like to have adventures. We might like read up on them. We turn to them for comfort and pleasure. Um, then we often have neglected senses. When these are senses where we don't use it to connect with other people. We're not that interested in learning about it or having new adventures. And often we're more uh, tuned into like the annoyances or irritations that come with that sense than in understanding like the pleasures and comforts that can come from that sense. And so when you know your neglected sense, you take this quiz, you find it out. Well, then this is where you have a lot of low hanging fruit because this is something where you're not having adventures. You're not thinking about like, oh, what are some fun things that I could do or some ways that I could tap into the sense. And so then, and, and the thing about the five senses that I love kind of in the study of happiness is that when you say to people like, well, if your neglected sense is taste, like that's my neglected sense, what are some things you could do to have adventures or to connect with other people or get more pleasure or comfort from it? People automatically have ideas. They're like, ooh, I've always wanted to do this. Then what about that? And like, I'll have a sound bath or, um, I, you know, uh, I'll go to a museum and look around. I mean, it's it's easy to think of ideas because we're so in touch with it. Like, you know, there you go, in touch with our five senses. And so it's a really fun thing to know about yourself um, because then you can think of like, well, what are some things that I'm not, I'm not taking advantage of because you're probably taking advantage of your appreciated sense. Like I, my, one of my most appreciated sense is smell. And I do all kinds of things around the sense of smell that other people don't do because I really appreciate the sense of smell. Like what? Oh, I mean, I will often go into a perfume store and like systematically smell every perfume. I have tons of samplers. I love, there's this sort of bonkers perfumer called Christopher Brosius. And I have this, the, he makes kind of just smells. I mean, I, I was showing one of them is called Black March. And it is the smell of if you walked out into the middle of Central Park on a frozen March day and there are dead leaves on the ground and there's sort of dirt kicked over and it's all frozen and it's about to rain and there's that heavy smell in the air, that is Black March. And so I, I, I'm like, I love it, right? And so I give I, I have this little vial of, of scent. I hand it to a friend. She smells it. She's like, this is amazing. She's like, but what do you do with it? Because it's obviously, it's not a perfume. It's not a rim spray. She's like, what do you do with it? I'm like, I just smell it. And she was, she thought, that is it? I'm like, that's all I need. I just smell it. I've got a kit. It's called uh, Nez du Café. It's pretty expensive. I will say that. And there's also Nez du Vin, which so uh, nose for coffee, nose for wine, um, where it, it breaks out all the different component smells in coffee and wine. So you can like really perceive them more individually. So fun. Uh, when I walk through the kitchen, I'll often just like smell a jar of some spice. Um, I will often like crush leaves and smell my fingers. Um, I will say that I have kind of violated what I would consider to be normal social norms by smelling things a little bit more deeply than most people would consider polite. Um, so I, I have to kind of be careful about that. Um, and I love like ordinary smells. Like I remember saying to somebody like, I love the hardware store smell. Like I would buy a candle of hardware store smell. And somebody's like, what do you mean? What's the hardware store smell? I'm like, what are you talking about? Anywhere you go in this country, there is such a distinctive hardware store smell. It is always the same. I love that smell, but he had never noticed it. You know, so I'm very aware of the sense of, and then the sense of the smell of the people around me. Like I really notice when like somebody changes their shampoo um, or like my dog, like how smelly is my dog? At, like, you know, since the last time we went to the groomers, 
Um, but I kind of like bad smells too, just because they're so interesting. So that's that's an example of when you appreciate something, you tend to have a higher higher tolerance, a higher range. You're more interested in just kind of the experience of it. Whereas people right. who neglect the sense of smell might not be quite as, uh, you know, open to a smelly dog as I am. It's almost like you're approaching it with curiosity as opposed to judgment, which yes. I think is in a, in general, a route to happiness for anything. Yeah. So to approach everything with curiosity instead of judgment, 100%. and then then you can kind of manage it. If you if it's really turning you off, you can veer away from that. But approaching it initially with curiosity helps expand your mind around it. Well, hundred percent. And back to your example of your daughter with the television set. Instead of being like, "I'm right, you're wrong," um, or like research shows, you're saying that's interesting. You feel like. Having a TV on helps you concentrate. Like, tell me more about that. Like, that's just so not my experience. Like, how, how, like, tell me what that's like. And it might be, might lead to a really, really interesting conversation and also help you understand yourself better and be like, wow. I mean, you sounds like you know very well that you need silence, but I think some, it's very easy not to realize these things about ourselves to be like, well, I really need to be in silence or um, I really am very distracted. You know, our brains are very attuned to other people. Like the br- that is the most important information for the brain. Anytime anything is related to other people, the brain is going to focus on that. And for some people, like an open office plan is so incredibly distracting because it's just these people around. Some people can block it out, but some people can't. So it's sort of, again, what's true for you? Um, for some people, like the sound of the conversation on the television, like their brain would just tune in, tune in, tune in, could not ignore that information. But for your daughter, it, it, it didn't have that effect. So I think you're exactly right. Curiosity um, is, is a much more open and it's, it's, it just, it can reveal so much more that like take you in all these unexpected directions too. So I love how you brought up this neglected sense quiz, which is on just to to reiterate this, it's on your website, which is yeah. GretchenRubin.com. Yeah, if you just and go to GretchenRubin.com slash quiz, you'll go straight to it. Or yeah, just look for it on my site. Yeah. So I just think it's a wonderful way to have people start to tap into this sense of the senses and yeah. this neglected <laughs> sense in particular, like starting there perhaps. Yeah. Um, and then you also have on your website, something I love, the audio apothecary, which I have to tell you. So I encourage people to look at that as well. Um and that's uh, a list of songs that make you feel good or make you yeah. feel certain ways. So I, I'm glad that you've coined this term, the audio apothecary, because I much more morbidly have mm. been have been saying that um, I want certain songs to be on my hospice tape. <laughs> oh, so what I, an interesting idea! I love that. Oh, so like certain music, certain music just makes me feel good just brings back beautiful memories just makes me feel content and soothed and when i'm really at the end of my life like i want these songs to be playing (laughs) and and Um, are these because of like the memories that they evoke or more like the emotion that the music inspires in you or both 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 oh. really. And so I've started this little list. I don't have it with me now, but I've started this list and I call it my hospice tape, but I'm I'm going um, to change my verbiage around that because I think audio apothecary sounds a lot better. But I like that because it really, I mean, there is an idea of like, these are kind of the summing up or like if I had to kind of, I feel like this list is sort of would be it's interesting because one of another uh, exercise that I did um, as part of it was to do five senses portraits of people. So 
for my husband, say, I would do five of my most notable memories associations for seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. And what happens is like when somebody shows you, now many people have done this and they'll show me them. I'm like, I have such a, a rich, intense, vivid picture of this person that I don't know. You're just giving me a five senses portrait, but I feel so in touch with this person because you just evoke these very, very specific concrete memories. And again, I feel like with this hospice list, I think if I read that and heard that, I would be like, I have such an intense and intimate glimpse into your soul. You know, which is exactly what you want for your hospice list. You're like, here's my soul on, you know, playing for you. I love that. Okay, maybe I'll keep it then. If you, <laughs> we can have both. I guess they can both coexist. Or maybe yeah. it's like a what is it? The what do you call it when the curtain comes down at the end of a play? Like, is there a name for that? It's right. like a curtain, the curtain call playlist <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great idea. Whatever, whatever you name you land on. But just this idea of finding sounds, music, um, that that makes you feel good or makes you feel a certain way or energizes you or whatever yes. it is that helps, that helps you turn tune into that audio sense. Well, and um, that research shows, I mean, and everybody knows this, that one of the quickest, fastest ways to intervene in your mood and your energy is to listen to one of your favorite upbeat songs. This is just, this is something that kind of everybody knows, but you can really tap into that when you need a boost. That is a great tip. I think I do that every single day, at least yeah. once. Yeah. Uh, um. So in terms of, so I'm a, dietitian and chef. And so of course, my mind is always going back to food yeah. and experiencing food in this way that when a, I think I, you know, I'm trained to do this on a regular basis, but I, I would love to see people embrace the five senses more when they're eating. So when food, when just taking the time yes. to look at what's on your plate, to see how the colors are, even if they're not very colorful. That's a thing in itself. Even if it's just like, and I think brown food is beautiful. <laughs> so like um, observing that, observing the smells, the aromas, and there's research that shows that if you smell food cooking, if you smell food as it's being prepared or as you're preparing it, it actually increases your satisfaction um, yes. with the meal at the end. Yeah, so yeah, this is one of the reasons why takeout food and like microwave dinners and things like that are not as satisfying because you're exactly right. The roasting, the grilling, the uh, the baking, these these the the way the scent builds and changes really builds our anticipation and like un and because smell and taste are so closely tied, um, this really goes a long way. And so if somebody's just like handing you, you know, a pack, like a, a sack of food and you open it up and eat it, it's just not going to have the same kind of rich, um, like the kind of depth that you're talking about. Um, yeah, yeah, I think people don't realize how much that short changes their pleasure. Absolutely. And then um, also the sound. I think people don't realize how much the sound of a crunch, yeah. the sound of a noodle slurping, yes. the sound of, um, I mean, that's a key factor in why they make those soda pop tops, mm. because it makes that sound. And the minute you hear that sound, it's part of the experience and the anticipation. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah. I mean, they, did, they did research where people had like earphones on and they would make the crunch sound of a potato chip louder or softer. And people rated the potato chips as like tasting fresher and more flavorful when there was more of a crunch. So um, it's absolutely a crucial part of um, of our experience. 
So fascinating. And then of course, for the touch part, there's texture, um, which is also, you know, you're touching the food with your mouth. It's not necessarily, you can pick it up with your fingers too. And that's fun. That increases. If I'm by myself, I eat with my fingers whenever I can. I I feel like I really enjoy it more. But you know, it's interesting because with Asian cuisines, what uh, they have a much greater range of textures that they enjoy than we do in kind of traditional Western food. And it's very interesting because they just, there's, they've like, it's like um, their spectrum of, of, of pleasure is just br- much, much broader, um, which I had not realized. Um, there's a lot of textures that, um, that we're not tapping into. Yeah, actually, when I was in Tokyo several years ago, I learned that there's actually a culinary word that's a positive word in the Japanese language. I don't know what the word is offhand, but it means essentially slimy. Yeah. <laughs> But or the, slippery. But like, right. But like the good version of that. Yeah. Where they, we don't have a good version of that to describe food. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I it is so fascinating. Mouthfeel. I just think that's such a, like, it's exactly what it is. It's the mouthfeel. Um, and you can just taste like creaminess. And here's a fun thing that people can try at home. Okay. Heinz ketchup, which almost everybody has ketchup and Heinz ketchup is by far the most popular kind of ketchup. Okay. Heinz ketchup is one of the rare, extremely rare foods that hits all five of the basic tastes. It's sweet. It's sour. It's bitter. It's salty. And it's umami. Umami, as you know, but for anybody who doesn't know, is hardiness. It's savoriness. It's like tomato sauce or meat or mushroom sauce. It's like that savoriness. It is very hard to hit all five. It's hard to hit four. Like a margarita has four, but it doesn't have umami. But if you think of the fact that Heinz ketchup is the secret ingredient in a lot of food where people would probably not expect to find it. And of course, it's wildly popular. I mean, you know, but it's kind of used to mean this sort of unsophisticated taste like, oh, people just put ketchup all over everything. But um, I had a taste party for my friends and I, I just gave everybody a little dab of ketchup and I was like, just taste this Heinz ketchup. And everybody was like, this is so complex. It is so like, it's, it's just changing. It's filling my mouth with all these different experiences. They were, they couldn't believe it. Like we take it for granted, but it is, it is, it is bonkers. Taste it for yourself. I completely agree by the way. And I think a lot of Asian sauces actually tap all of those five sort of elements in a lot of ways. But, um, but what you're saying about ketchup, I agree. And I think one of the problems, we just dump it on everything and just shovel the food in our mouth. Yeah. We're not really tasting it. No, exactly. So, so no. to your point, to the point from the, you know, coming full circle to this idea of tapping into the senses around yeah. it and really experiencing all the flavor and the way it, it wafts up into your nose and makes an yes. aroma and the texture of it and all makes you experience it. So that you don't need to put a half a cup of ketchup yes. on it, on something yes. to experience that yes. um, flavor. Yes. No, it's so true. When you stop and really uh, enjoy it, like instead of just like spooning, like spoonful, spoonful, spoonful of raspberries in your mouth, but really have one raspberry in your mouth and like feel the outer texture and how it kind of explodes in your mouth and the sweetness and then you, you you just relish it so much more. You don't. And here's another thing um, I think for a lot of people, well, especially with food, I think sometimes people like feel too inclined to snack, like they turn to it too much when they need a lift or they need a little bit of energy or something. 
one thing I found is that if you if you tap into a different sense, you can often give yourself that kind of boost. So if you smell a really strong smell or you like rub your hands on like a like a like a sandpaper or, you know, or or like a faux you know, like I have like a faux fur rug that's got a really cool texture. There's something about feeding your senses that a lot of times it will take away that desire to snack. And I don't know if that's because it's just a distraction. So it's kind of just distracts you from heading to the fridge. Or if it's really like the body is just trying to get some kind of sensory, pleasant sensory stimulation. And we just turn to turn to snacking because it's familiar and easy. And but you could just as well turn to a different sense. I don't know which it is, probably both. But in any event, that's for people who feel like they kind of have unhealthy snacking because um, that that's just in, like my study of how ha- I, I spend a lot of time talking to people about their habits. And that's a habit. A lot of people want to break. So it's kind of nice. Just think about or, or go listen to one of your favorite songs, like go, you know, dance around to one of your favorite upbeat songs. And then you, you kind of you'll that desire to have that unha- unhealthy snack may pass. Oh, I completely agree. Actually, um, it very much resonates with the nutritional science around this because a lot of times people are eating not because of genuine hunger in the evening, yeah. right? Usually, and oftentimes in the evening, this happens. Yes. Um, they're eating because of boredom or loneliness, or they need comfort in some yes. way. And yes. you know, food is supposed to be entertaining and and give you comfort. It's not that we can't turn to food for those things. We should. It's supposed to be that way. But if it becomes our only source of that, yes. it becomes a problem. Yes. So what you're saying is really saying, okay, what are other sensory experiences yes. that give me comfort, that give me pleasure, that take me out of the doldrums? Yes. And so music or taking a bath or Therapy a cozy dough. blanket yes. or- Yeah. And that's all about this tapping into the five senses, because once you can kind of have understand that that imprint, how that imprints you, you can tap into those as tools in your toolbox for all different kinds of things. There really is almost nothing. If you want to calm down, you can use the five senses. If you want to pump up, you can use the five senses. But, you know, an interesting point back to your your what you were saying earlier about how, how you have to manage overstimulation. Um, one like in turning to the senses for calm, a lot of people will turn to their senses to like help them feel more serene, which is a great, a great thing to do. One thing that surprised me is for some people, they're like me and like you, where we will bring down stimulation in order to calm ourselves. So like, I love to wear perfume, but if I'm really stressed out, I don't wear perfume. Or if I'm really stressed out, like I won't, I'll make, if somebody else is playing music in my house, I'll turn it off because I need to bring down the stimulation. But there are people who will pump it up. Like they will blast music or they will bite into a lemon or really really spicy food or they will plunge their hands or their faces into ice water because for them like being overwhelmed by sensation actually calms them down so again it's back to this idea we were talking about there's no right answer or wrong answer it's really what works for you and so if somebody's saying like well why don't you turn down the music if you're so stressed out you might say no i want to pump it up that's what's going to make me feel better. It's like if somebody says to you, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, it makes sense to me, you know, because nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. It's just whatever works for us. And coming back to your one real good thing, tuning in to the five senses helps you understand what does work for you yes. in various yes. scenarios. Yes, because so. we each have to figure it out for ourselves. But then we have this amazing tool that can make our life so much more beautiful, but also healthier, more creative, more productive. I love this. Is there anything you want to add before we wrap up? No, this is so much fun. 
This is awesome. I love this conversation and I'm totally inspired. Absolutely. <laughs> and more, and just this awareness, just this conversation yes. and being aware of what's happening right now for me in my five senses. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm tuned into that and, and it's really neat. And, um, and I think it's super helpful. So I'm excited about this book. It's called Life in the Five Senses. And I encourage everyone to go to your website, GretchenRubin.com, and check out your podcast as well, which is called Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Happier with Gretchen Rubin. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. It's really great to talk with you. Oh, well, thank you, Ellie. I had so much fun. I feel like we could talk all day. Oh, I could definitely talk with you all day. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. I hope you've come away with some new tools and inspiration for tuning in to all five senses. Join me next time for another One Real Good Thing.